weather is starting to warm up and MLS Week 8 is here. And believe it or not, we're almost a quarter of the way through the 2016 MLS season. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Scalarsa. And that's right. Can you believe it? We're, we're almost a quarter of the way through the MLS season. It's flown by. Uh, and it's going to be a great week eight. There'll be plenty to talk about there. We'll be, I'll be previewing the matches coming up on Saturday and Sunday. There is no Friday night game, uh, which is part of the reason I still uh, decided to throw out an episode this week. I almost wasn't going to do one, but I did remember last episode. I said I would do it, do episodes this week, even though uh, I actually tried to take the week off uh, just to kind of regroup and, and, and recharge, but that, that didn't quite work out. There's just, there's always stuff going on. There's always so much going on. So it's, it's, it's nearly impossible to really unplug, uh, other than maybe in December, uh, you know, and unfortunately my mistake, I didn't do that this year. I'll be sure to do that in December, uh, next time around. But, uh, this, there's plenty to get into uh, on this episode. We'll try to jam it in, try to keep it to an hour. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I'll touch on last week's results a bit uh, in previewing this weekend's games, just so we can catch up a bit. There's plenty. There's U.S. men's national team uh, stuff to talk about. U.S. women's national team to talk about. International soccer. Uh, so we'll get all. We'll get to all of it, and we'll start off with MLS. Uh, and it's week eight. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, almost the full slate of games. The Portland Timbers and Chicago Fire are off this week. Uh, before I get into previewing the matches of the weekend, there, there's a few things to touch on. First off, uh, the new talk, the new topic, the hot topic lately has been instant replay, and a lot of people clamoring for for instant replay and MLS to adopt instant replay. And part of that is because of the officiating and just how bad it's been. And uh, you can understand why people want instant replay. To help clean up, uh, clean up some of the messes that that MLS referees can make, uh, I, I get that, and that's fair. Um, having said that, the league definitely needs to work on uh, improving the officiating. Uh, I think that that as much as the professional referee association wants to tell everybody that the referees are, are good enough and that they're fine, uh, it's hard to it's hard to look at at the performances so far this year and say that they've done a great job. I, I really don't think they have overall. Uh, far too many mistakes, far too many big calls that that have just been flat out blown. Um, and of course, they didn't stop the head of of, of pro uh, Peter Walton from coming out this week and saying that he thinks MLS referees are better than referees in a, in in a other leagues and other top leagues. And I don't know about that one. It's kind of hard to argue that, especially this week when uh, when we saw a referee not only give uh, a red card when he shouldn't have given a red card, but then he gave it to the wrong person. Uh, Ted uh, Uncle uh, did that to the Columbus crew. Luckily, MLS cleaned it up and, and they, they, they switched the red card and then they rescinded the red card, which has which got to be pretty embarrassing if you're that referee. But it was a good call. Uh, a good decision by MLS to do that, and um, and it's also a week where we saw uh, some real questionable calls toward the end of the New England Orlando City match, where Baldomero Toledo missed a clear handball on Kevin Molino, and then he came right back down uh, and gave a, a handball penalty to New England. Uh, both those calls, uh, neither neither of those goals should have counted, but. You know, Toledo blew both of them. And uh, while on one hand you can argue, well, it evened out in the end, so no harm, no foul. But still, as a referee, you need you need to get these calls right. I mean, seriously, like uh, it, it was it just really kind of 
uh, soured uh, a match that was was okay. It was a decent match, Eastern Conference battle, and 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 it didn't uh, didn't get a chance to to end the way it should have ended because of, because of some blown calls. Will instant replay change that? Will instant replay uh, help clean things up? Maybe it will, but. You know, uh, start working on improving the referees is what really needs to happen above all else. Um, and I haven't had a problem with all the calls so far this year. A lot of the red cards have been fair. But, uh, yeah, it was not a great week. It was not a great week for MLS referees last week. We didn't get a chance to touch on the last week's results, so uh, my apologies for that. I'll touch on that a little bit as I preview the upcoming matches. Uh, another big topic this week, MLS-wise, is expansion in Don Garber. Uh, has come out, and I know to the surprise of nobody, he's been stressing and reiterating that MLS, uh, the plan is to go to 28 teams. Uh, And there's now, there's definitely uh, a push, a push for St. Louis uh, to be in the fold and to be one of the first teams after 24. And for my money, Sacramento has to be Team 25. Uh, If you want to bring in two teams at once, then fine, you can go St. Louis and Sacramento. But for me, Sacramento... Uh, absolutely needs to be the next team after the 24. Uh, they've they are they're ready now. They've been ready, and there's no reason to make them wait any mu- you know that much longer after the, after you get to 24. So it is interesting to see some of the markets that have been named uh, as potential options. Uh, you know, you've heard uh, Austin, Texas, which I, I find interesting. Although I wouldn't mind that road trip because let's face it, some of the best food in in the world, definitely some of the best food in America can be had in Austin. The barbecue for my money. No offense to anybody, Bar- best barbecue I've had has been in Austin. Um, but you have San Diego, uh, uh, you, which has obviously been a popular name to mention in the past. Uh, of course, St. Louis and uh, and then San Antonio. San Antonio is an interesting one for sure. You, right now in Texas, you have Dallas and you have Houston, but adding that third team, adding San Antonio, could definitely boost boost. Uh, the profile uh, down there in Texas, I think. I think Texas. I think San Antonio actually would be a very good option, um, and seems like a more reasonable one than Austin, uh, especially if the Spurs are involved with the San Antonio uh, potential expansion group, expansion bid. So that that'll bear watching. I, I'm curious to see who will be teams 25 through 28. Now that it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Miami is going to happen. Uh, if you're asking me who are the four teams I'd like to see in. Uh, I'd say San Antonio, I, obviously Sacramento, uh, St. Louis, San Antonio, and uh, and I, and I would like I wouldn't mind seeing San Diego in there uh, as as an option. Or you could also look at Charlotte, even though there hasn't there hasn't really been a group that has stepped forward. But as far as a market goes, and as far as filling out the map of the country a bit, there is that big gap between DC, United. And then you go south now to the to the Florida team. Eventually, it will be Florida teams. Uh, there is that gap there, and 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 we've seen in the past when they've had friendlies in Charlotte, uh, some great crowds turn out for for the games there. There, it, it is a, a a large city, uh, and uh, and we'll see we'll see if they, if if someone steps forward, if an ownership group steps forward, uh, to make them a viable option. Um, and but again, that's down the road, uh, still a ways to go. But it's crazy to think about twenty eight teams. I got to say that that's a uh, uh, I said that. I think I said it last episode. I remember covering the league when it was down to ten teams, and you kind of wondered what would happen. And now we're 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 at twenty. We're looking at twenty eight, uh, and and now we're he- we're hearing we're hearing some interesting markets being mentioned. I I also I guess Detroit was also mentioned. I don't see that being realistic uh, as a possibility, but we'll find out. We'll find out in the years to come. 
Now, enough delay here. We have to talk about MLS Week 8. Pretty good schedule of games. Uh, We'll start. I'll I'll just go ahead. Usually, I kind of go in chronological order. I'll go from the Friday game straight through the weekend, but I'm going to mix it up a little bit. There is no Friday game this week, uh, but we have to go. uh, For me, the game of the week, and I think most people would agree the game of the week, LA Galaxy, Real Salt Lake. And Real Salt Lake is undefeated, the last remaining undefeated team. Uh, but it's looking like this is the kind of the perfect setup for them to drop that uh, zero, uh, taking on an LA Galaxy team that that looked really good last week, beating the Houston Dynamo and Gio DeSantos and Steven Gerrard were excellent. Uh, played some of the best games that they've played since they've been with the Galaxy. So that that kind of momentum that they're going to carry over off of that win, they're at home and they're playing an RSL team that will be without Jao Plata, who is injured. That's a big blow for them because Jao Plata has been, you could argue, him and him, Ignacio Piatti, two of the front, early front runners for, uh, for MVP. Plata has been, been outstanding for RSL. Without him, that's a big blow. Uh, on the bright side for RSL, Javier Morales is healthy. Uh, it's unclear yet. Is he ready to start or if he's just going to be limited to, to coming off the bench? Either way, I think RSL still has, still has enough weapons to, to, to make things difficult for LA. They still have uh, Juan Manuel Martinez. They still have Yuri uh, Mofsisian. Uh, Luke Mulholland has done well in, in, uh, in the absence of... Javier Morales, but if they don't have Plata and if Javier Morales can't start, it's going to be pretty tough for RSL, I think, to go into L.A. and get a W, even though L.A. will be without Nigel DeYoung, and they're still without Robbie Keane. Uh, However, Robbie Rogers is ready to come back, and I think the the L.A. attack now with with Gio DeSantos healthy, Steven Gerrard healthy, if they play like they played last week against Houston, they're going to win this game, and they're going to hand RSL that first loss. it's a big question mark, though, because let's face it, uh, Gerard and and uh, and, G- and DeSantos uh, have had more disappointing performances than they've had good ones. So we'll see if they can put two strong performances together and hand RSL their first loss of the season. Next up uh, is the Montreal Impact taking on Toronto FC. Uh, the two solitudes derby. I didn't even know that was the name of it until I looked it up. Uh, I, I thought it was. I actually thought it. I thought that was like like a, a joke or something. I didn't know. I didn't know what it meant. I looked it up. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, the the uh, the battle for Canada. Uh, no offense to Vancouver, but Montreal and Toronto FC, two teams that you know have aspirations to be at or near the top of the Eastern Conference, and the Eastern Conference is wide open right now. New York Red Bulls are in on off to an awful start. The Columbus Crew are are had oh they were off to an awful start, but they're starting to get it together a bit. Uh, finally got that win last week against NYCFC. Uh, but if you're Montreal and right now they're in first place, you want to keep building that lead. You want to keep uh, you know establishing yourself as the power in the Eastern Conference. And and Didier Drogba is likely to make his first start of the season. Uh, he came on as a sub against this fire the Chicago Fire. And almost immediately made an impact. He, he scored a nice goal uh, to to spark the comeback for Montreal before uh, before Nacho Piatti scored the, the the great the beautiful game winner against the Fire. And uh, and this time around, Drogba should start. Uh, it sounds by all accounts, it sounds like he's ready to start. And they're going up against the Toronto FC team that has done a really good job of of uh, racking up some points on, on what has been a really grueling road trip to start the season. Uh, they just posted another uh, one one zero victory in DC uh, to put them at two two and two. And if they can get this win, 
uh, in Montreal. It's not easy now. This is the same Montreal team that eliminated TFC from the playoffs. It's a different TFC team. We know this. They, they, they've added so many new pieces. Uh, Clint Irwin, who was excellent last week for them. Uh, and obviously their defense is, is is kind of a new look defense when Drew Moore and Stephen Betashore in there. You have Will Johnson. A lot, So many new additions for TFC. This is a much uh, different team than the one that lost to Montreal in the playoffs last year. Uh, having said that, it's 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 going to be a tough challenge going into Montreal and winning there, especially given the fact that TFC's attack hasn't exactly been lighting it up. And Sebastian Javinko, while he's still an excellent player, he has not been tearing it up as he did last year. And part and it's not all on him. I think it, it, there's been a bit of a lack of support there. Uh, the attack, the, the rest of the attack, is, it needs to pick it up. They need to pick up the stack to really get the most out of Javinko and Montreal. We all know Montreal's defense is a very stingy defense. Lauren Simon, uh, Victor Cabrera, uh, running things there in, in the central defense, and then you have Evan Bush doing a good job in goal. And uh, they're going to be tough to break down. And I, I don't, I don't see TFC doing that. So I'm going to go Montreal in this one. Uh, but it should be a good game. It should definitely be a good game. Next up. We have the Philadelphia Union taking on NYCFC. I was going to go to this, but unfortunately, I won't be able to make it uh, to uh, Talon Energy Stadium. But it should be a good matchup. Uh, I like. I mean, I think Philly's the, the clear favorite in this one. NYCFC has is, is been they've been interesting. They, they, they're a tough team, right? Uh, to kind of look look at and try to understand because there's times when they do some good things, but then there are a lot of times when they, you see them make these mistakes. Make the you see the defensive breakdowns uh, against the against the Columbus Crew last week. They look really lost defensively. Uh, they just were were chasing shadows against the Crew team that that just had their way with them, especially in in the first half of that game. And now they go up against a Philly team that even though Philly lost last week to Seattle, I thought they played well. And and as much as you know, moral victories don't mean much, but I'm sure Jim Curtin looked at that game and says, you know what, all things being equal, we had a pretty solid team performance. Obviously, the red card changed things. El Senio with uh, drawing the red card in Seattle and making things that much tougher. But hey, um, the Union didn't go away in that game. They were still in that game late, and uh, I think they gained some confidence from that game. Now they're back home. They're taking on an NYCFC team that has been struggling uh, and has hasn't been able to find any consistency. So I think yeah, you know you got to go with the Union. You have to pick the Union here. Uh, I think Andre Blake has himself another big game. I think CJ Sapong is going to be a handful. Uh, for NYC's defense to deal with. And I'm going to go Philly with a comfortable victory here and and keep them chasing the Montreal impact at the top of the Eastern Conference. Next up, we have an old-time Eastern Conference showdown, DC United, New England Revolution. And uh, this one's not... Uh, I wouldn't say this one's uh, is going to be the most exciting match, um, but it is an interesting one. I mean, DC is coming off a loss at home. Uh, they, they're kind of still struggling. They had that big win against Vancouver a couple weeks ago, which was kind of the blip on the radar for them. Uh, they're going up against a New England team that has strung together a run of results that, on one hand, is a little disappointing. On the other hand, it's impressive in that they've managed to string together some, uh, you know, a bunch of ties, a bunch of draws. So they haven't been losing, but they haven't. They also haven't been getting the three points. And if you're Jay Heaps, you you look at this DC team as a team you should be able to beat. And that, and that you want to be able to be if you're going to be a, a serious contender in the Eastern Conference. And I like New England. I like New England's chances in this one, even though they're on the road. Uh, I think they're going to get the job done. I think they're going to pull. Uh, you can't even call it an upset, but I just think D.C. is just not really impressing me. 
and I think New England they've showed some toughness actually in this in this recent run of of, of results that that have not been losses mostly draws uh, actually all draws or mostly draws but yeah I'm gonna go New England in this one uh, we'll see Diego Fagundes have himself a game maybe in this one and Charlie Davies Charlie Davies uh, you know there, there's obviously the history with him having played at DC United and, and all that but uh, I think he'll be up for this one I think New England wins I see New England winning that one. Uh, next up, Columbus Crew, Houston Dynamo. You have a crew attack that really started to wake up last week and 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 posted a big win last week. Uh, and they're going up against a Houston team that defensively has been an absolute wreck, absolute train wreck. And they're in, they, they, it, it's got to be frustrating, right? If you're Owen Coyle and you see your team uh, do do a lot of good things, they 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 do good things. They they create chances, they move the ball well, but whether it's blowing leads or whether it's just flat out not being organized defensively, they've left a lot to be de- desired on the defensive side of the ball. And now they go up against a crew team that's got to be feeling pretty confident after their their big win, uh, you know, last week. So, yeah, it, it looks like a pretty clear crew victory here. Um, as much as, you know what, it could be a, a it could definitely be a goal fest. Um, especially with the crew uh, having some injuries of their own to deal with. Tony Chani's out. Uh, Gaston Saro is out. Um, so, yeah, you know what? This actually could be a pretty high-scoring game. I think we could see a 3-2 Columbus, uh, 4-2 Columbus. I think we're going to see a lot of goals in this one, but I, don't, I, I, see the, I see the crew winding up with more goals than the Dynamo. Next up, a big Western Conference battle. Uh, and, and you might not have expected to say that, uh, before the season, but the Colorado Rapids are very much a contender in the West, and they play host to the Seattle Sounders in what's going to be a very interesting match because I know a lot of people still aren't sold on this Colorado Rapids team being legit, right? Because it's been a few years now that they've been near the basement and they've been one of the worst teams in the league. But let me tell you, this Colorado team is a better team. It's a good team. It's a tough team. And now the addition of Jermaine Jones has really given them a boost. Obviously, he was man of the match for them in their big win over the Red Bulls last week. But even before Jones arrived, they were doing some really good things defensively. Uh, they're just being real well-organized and tough to break down. Now you add a dynamic player like Jones, who he showed in his debut that he can definitely contribute to the attack. He can give you help all over the field and be a real two-way player. Uh, it's clear Pablo Mastrani is going to give him the freedom to kind of move around. And, uh, and and one thing Jones does well, he responds well when you give him freedom to do what he wants to do. And it, it's clear that the Rapids are doing that. And it looks like they're ready to reap the rewards of, of doing that. Uh, now, having said that, they have a tough test here. Uh, obviously, last week, playing in the Snow Classico 2, uh, they beat the Red Bulls in a, sto- in a snowstorm last week. Barring another snowstorm, I think I think the Sounders should give them a tougher challenge than they received last week from the Red Bulls. I think Seattle. Uh, I think I think Clint Dempsey actually uh, might have left training with a knock during the week. Uh, if he plays, if he plays as you would expect, uh, the Seattle could definitely uh, cause some problems for Colorado. Uh, and you want to see what a guy like Jordan Morris does in a game like this. Coming off of his his you know best performance to date for the for the Sounders, scoring his first professional goal last week, uh, he's going to go up against a Colorado team that hasn't given up given up that many goals. So uh, th- I'm looking forward to that battle. Uh, I, I I still I'm going to go Colorado though. I will tell you what, it's not easy to play at altitude. It's not easy to go to that stadium, 
and get a result. And the way Colorado's playing right now, with Jermaine Jones in the lineup now, I'm going to go Colorado in this one. Now we have the last two games of the weekend. Uh, last but not least, certainly San Jose taking on Sporting Kansas City. The Sporting Kansas City is on a bit of a uh, they're in a bit of a slump now. They they they, they dropped two in a row. Uh, but I, I don't think it's time to press the panic button by any means. I think they'll be okay. However, they have to go to San Jose and take on a, a tough Earthquakes team uh, that isn't easy to deal with. And uh, this is going to be a good test for Peter Vermees' side to see if they can rebound and 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 get get over the hump. Uh, and San Jose is not easy. San Jose is not a pushover by by any means. Chris Wondolowski is having another great year for them. Fatai Alashi is continue, continuing to improve in the midfield for them. Uh, their defense is a little hit or miss at times. Obviously, they've had some you know they've had some injuries here and there, but. I don't know if I can pick KC. You know what? I'll, I'll pick KC in this one. Another road win. I know it's always it's always tricky. You never want to pick too many road teams when you're picking MLS matches because you're probably going to get your heart broken. But in this one, I'm going to go sporting KC in this one. I think Dom Dwyer has himself a big game for them. And, yeah, I'll go sporting KC getting the big road victory there. Last match of the weekend, you could argue one of the more intriguing, if not the most intriguing match of the weekend, the New York Red Bulls taking on Orlando City, and Orlando City uh, is, is, you know, obviously they're disappointed settling for the draw in New England against New England last week. However, they have to like their chances going into Red Bull Arena against a Red Bulls team that is in an absolute funk. A Red Bulls team that, as it stands right now, has the worst record in the league. They've scored the fewest goals in the league. They've given up the most goals in the league, and you know that you take all those. They've lost two. More, they've lost two more games than any other team in the MLS, and that's it's crazy to think about it. I mean, we're talking about the defending Supporter Shield winners uh, to be this just to be this lost right now. And I will say I'm impressed by Jesse Marsh because he's not panicking. He's he's saying all the right things right now. He's he's trying to preach to his team that look you can't get let this overwhelm you, you just have to keep putting in the work and things will take care of themselves. That's all well and good. It's a nice approach to have, but you know what? You have to play Orlando now, a, a very tough Orlando team. But an Orlando team that won at Red Bull Arena last year, I was I, I remember being there. I brought my kids to this game. They they won five two, smacked up the Red Bulls. Obviously, it's a new year, different teams, different players, but. They're not going to be uh, swayed by going into Red Bull Arena. And look, we know we we all remember Red Bull Arena was a pretty tough place to play last year. Uh, one of the toughest, maybe in MLS. Hasn't been. It, it, I don't. I don't feel like that's the case right now. I don't think anyone is afraid of the Red Bulls. Um, so as long as Orlando doesn't go in too overconfident, I think they have the they have what it takes to go in there and keep the Red Bulls slide going. Having said that, it, like. It, Something's got to give here because for me, I feel like this Red Bulls team should be a lot better than they are in terms of their record. They've created tons of chances. They're among, they're, they're, I think they're in the top four in MLS and chances created. So it's not as if they're not creating chances. I think they are. And and maybe this is the game where they finally score at a good rate uh, because they've definitely blown some chances uh, over time. So, you know, if, if they can convert these chances, they have a chance. The real big question mark is their defense. How will this Red Bulls defense hold up against an Orlando City attack that if they have a healthy Kyle Aaron, you're talking Kyle Aaron, Kevin Molino, Kaká, Julio Baptista off the bench, unless you decide to go 4-4-2, four, four, 
that's a lot of weapons for the Red Bulls to deal with, and their defense just has not been all that impressive. Uh, Ronald Zubar and Kamar Lawrence both made their returns last week in the loss in, Colo- in, in Colorado, and and you know I don't know how much stock you put into that game, just because obviously the the snow was a big issue, it was slippery, you really couldn't get your footing in it. It it, it was uh, it wasn't a great environment for the Red Bulls to play, and so I'm not going to hold it too much against them. I just, but but that said, I don't know if their I don't know if their defense is good enough. And Orlando has the weapons to punish them, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't want to keep picking road teams and all signs support to Orlando, but I have a feeling Jesse Marsh is gonna like is gonna get these guys, gonna get the Red Bulls to step up and play like you expect them to play at home. I know it sounds crazy because there hasn't been much reason to to, to be optimistic about the Red Bulls, but I think this is the game they put it together. And they snap out of their funk and they get the win. There's no uh, all signs point to the opposite happening. All signs point to Orlando City putting a beating on them. But I, I you know what? I just feel it. I, I, I've seen this kind of scenario play out where you have the the kind of confident team coming in against the wounded animal, and that wounded animal steps up and, and gets a game, the kind of name, game it needs. And I think that's what's going to happen. I'm going to pick the Red Bulls. I'm going to pick the Red Bulls to win. And what will be, be some will actually consider a slight upset. But I think they win a, a very exciting game. So that wraps up MLS Week 8. And yes, it's Week 8. So we're almost a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, I know, it's crazy. It's crazy to, to, to just even think how fast that went by. But the summer's almost here. And uh, obviously the weather's warming up. The snow is gone, thankfully. At least where we are, where I am. I mean, I, I think Colorado still has snow that they're dealing with. Or at least that it's on the ground. Uh, you know, It hasn't all melted away, unlike here in Jersey where it's pretty steady, 70 degrees these days. Um, but with the summer approaching, you know what that means. It means Copa America is right around the corner, and it's getting closer and closer. And as, move, as we move on over to the U.S. men's national team, uh, the U.S. announced this week that they will be playing Puerto Rico in a friendly. And I know some people might look at it and say, why in the world are they playing Puerto Rico? It's basically the friendly before the friendlies. Uh, MLS teams will not, are not going to release their players until I believe the 22nd of May and uh, the European players will be done a week before that. So the U.S. is basically getting they're basically going to have a week of camp. The European based and Mexican based players are going to have a week of camp and then they're going to play this friendly against Puerto Rico. And it's you know, it's not it's not the best test ever. Best it's not the biggest opponent, best opponent ever, but it's pretty much a warm up tune up. For that first week of training uh, as a group without the MLS players, and, and uh, you know, I'm interested to see what kind of uh, what kind of challenges Puerto Rico can present, and and what players can can step up and do something in that that kind of environment. Uh, maybe we'll see Mr. Pulisic, Christian Pulisic, the uh, everyone's favorite young American player. Now, uh, maybe he'll have his chance in that game. And uh, speaking of Pulisic, Jurgen Klinsmann uh, came out this week and, and acknowledged that yes. Pulisic is helping his stock, and Pulisic is in the conversation for Copa America. And I know some people say, well, why is that news? Well, basically, two months ago, Jurgen Klinsmann was telling everybody, hey, take it easy with Pulisic. It's, uh, you know, you don't want to rush it with Pulisic. And obviously, he's changed his tune. Uh, Pulisic has been playing for Dortmund, getting important minutes. He scored his first goal. He became the fourth youngest player uh, to ever score in the Bundesliga. I mean, that's a pretty damn impressive accomplishment, to say the least. 
So he's continuing to get opportunities and he's making the most of those opportunities. So why shouldn't he be on the radar for Copa America? And honestly, I find a way to put him on the team because, number one, there's not a ton of really effective, productive, wide midfield options in the player pool. So if you can make room for a player like Pulisic, who, while he's not a pure, true winger, that's what he's playing now for Dortmund. He's more of a central player, but obviously for Dortmund right now, they, they, they use him on the wing. And I think that's where the uh, that's where the U.S. will use him. I think that's where Klinsman will bring him in if he does bring him in. Um, but yeah, Klinsman, I mean, of course, he'd be crazy not to consider uh, Pulisic, especially if, considering the fact Pulisic is kind of everything... Uh, everything that that Jurgen Klinsmann stands for, from a standpoint of Americans, young Americans testing themselves overseas and actually passing those tests, uh, he's just done it all in a, in a good way so far. So of course he should be in the conversation with Copa America. Uh, I, I mean, for right now, for me, I'm putting him in. I'm putting him on the team. We'll see if Klinsmann does that. Uh, he still has some time. He still has a month to go. Uh, moving on now to the U.S. Women's National Team and. The entire pay, you know, uh, equal pay uh, challenge that the, that the women have presented. They have obviously filed filed a filed a suit uh, claiming that they, that they don't feel they're being paid equally to the U.S. men's national team. And and now there's this whole tug of war about you know what's the truth and what what are the real numbers. And and now recently the New York Times uh, came out with a very detailed article breaking down. Uh, some of the uh, factors and some of the numbers regarding all of that. And and while there's definitely some issues there, uh, for example, per diem and appearance fees and, and why is there a disparity between those two for the men and the women, what I did find interesting is that th- those, those things were equal up un- until 2015. And then there was an issue with the U.S. men uh, negotiating a new CBA and the U.S. women not having anything tied in that would keep them on the same level as the men. U.S. soccer's already addressed that. They've already acknowledged that they're going to change that. Uh, the, they're going to adjust that in the next in the next negotiations. So from that standpoint, that's not really an issue. But there's all sorts of other uh, numbers in that report that I think are pretty eye opening. And you know, obviously, a lot of people came out early on, and it, it's easy to kind of get behind. You know. A popular slogan and 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 who and at the end of the day i mean we all i think we all agree uh if it all things being equal a man and a woman should get paid the same but having said that the men the the case regarding the men's national team the women's national team is not nearly that simple it's not nearly that simple because there's so many so many factors involved so 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 much money involved and so many different uh, obstacles and, and, and things that already uh, that, that the women receive that the men don't receive. There's, it's, it's just a lot more complex issue than, than, than I think people realize. And, and, and I think it's just, sometimes it's, it's too easy to just kind of jump on the, the, the popular sentiment and the popular opinion without really taking it all in. And that's why for me, I've, always, I've, I've kind of tried to not chime in a ton on this topic just because I, I mean, I felt from the beginning that there was a lot of information that we didn't know about. There was a lot of information that you needed to really sink your teeth into. And I thought the New York, the New York Times, uh, Andrew Doss did, a, did an excellent job of really digesting the information that has been provided. And it doesn't sound like there's nearly as much of a disparity as, as some people want to portray. So 
we'll see if uh, we'll see what what happens to that. We'll see if if the if the claims are, are upheld or if they're rejected or you know it, at the end, I think most people would agree that the women should get more money than they've received in the past, and obviously they they've raised the bar for themselves with the uh, the interest and the success. Uh, with the World Cup and after the World Cup, the victory tour, all those things. But it's not nearly as simple as saying, oh, well, m- women and men should make the same amount of money uh, without considering a myriad of factors. So we'll see how that plays out and how that continues to to, to move on. Uh, next, we'll get into is- international soccer. I know I mentioned Copa America uh, earlier. Uh, some kind of inevitable news has come out this week in that Neymar will not take part in Copa America. And it's definitely disappointing uh, for people who are hoping to see him in the U.S. this year, this summer uh, it, it, with Brazil. But it's pretty clear that in terms of what the priority is for Brazil, uh, they want to win an Olympics. They haven't done it. And, and it's in Rio. It's their home, their home competition. So they want to win on their home soil. So you understand why Neymar... Will, will turn his attention to, to to the Olympics as opposed to Copa America. Now, having said that, doesn't mean Brazil isn't still going to be a tough team. They're going to still be a tough team, no question. But missing Neymar is a big blow for them. No, uh, you know, you can't argue that uh, one way or the other. So that's a disappointing one. Uh, another bit of news on players in Copa America: Chicharito will play in Copa America. I know that's not a surprise at all. Uh, he will not feature in the Olympics for Mexico. As uh, I'm sure some fans will be upset that you know he didn't make himself available, but it's along the same lines as the Neymar thing, where you're not going to get uh, clubs, European clubs, to agree to let players play in two tournaments. It's just tough. It's tough to to get many people on board with that idea. It's just not a it's just not a practical thing. So uh, no surprises there. Uh, you got you had to have Chicharito in uh, in Copa America, and I gotta tell you, man, I'm like I really like. Mexico's chances in this tournament and I know US fans are going to hate hearing that uh and I know some people will just totally disagree with the idea but I tell you what man I I mean I'm picking Argentina uh but Mexico has a chance they definitely do and now they have Chicharito on board uh and they're going to be tough and uh as we uh, wrap up the last uh, the last topic we'll get into we have the NASL uh, I wasn't able to get touch on the NASL last week uh, my apologies for that but there's some good matchups this week and uh, I think it's going to be a good week if you you've been wanting to to catch some NASL action I think this is uh this is definitely a good week for that uh you have Minnesota United taking on the New York Cosmos uh the Cosmos coming off a bit of a surprising loss to Indy 11 uh but they they're, they're still tough and they they're, they're going to face a Minnesota team that that as we all know is a, is a very uh, is a very good team in NESL. And then you have the undefeated Carolina Railhawks, who, as of right now, have the the only perfect record in the league. They're taking on the Tampa Bay Rowdies. They're going to Tampa. They're going to Alang, Alang Stadium to take on the Rowdies. Uh, a Rowdies team that really hasn't gotten going yet offensively, like you would have expected, given the the additions they've made to that team. But this should be a good game for them. Uh, I would definitely recommend watching this one. And this game is uh, is the NASL uh, game of the week for B- that is on BN Sports. So you can def- you can watch the game if you get BN Sport. You can watch it on Saturday. Uh, the week's other matches in, uh, in NASL. You have the Fort Lauderdale Strikers taking on the Jacksonville Armada in your another one of those great uh, Florida derbies that you're going to start to have now. Now that you have you have Miami FC. Fort Lauderdale, Tampa Bay, 
and Jacksonville. Uh, it's just so, so much soccer, so much good soccer going on down in Florida right now. That should be a good one. Uh, you also have Ed, FC Edmonton in Ottawa, uh, another All Canada affair to go along with the Montreal uh, the Montreal uh, Toronto FC match. So th- those are uh, those are some good ones to watch, and uh, definitely uh, keep an eye on NASL if you haven't already. Uh, it, it's a, it's a league that continues to improve and continues to grow. So uh, uh, try to watch if you get a chance. And uh, I think that's it. I think I think we've touched on a lot of different topics. Uh, it's been a real strange week. I got to tell you. I mean, obviously it's it's been a sad week for for some of the some of the the passings and some of the deaths this week. Uh, obviously, uh, Prince passing away was a big one. That's um, a big Prince fan. I know some people will think, oh, you know, I'm a hip hop head and I pretty much listen to hip hop and 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 some reggaeton and some Spanish music, some some EDM. But let me tell you, I listen when I was younger. I listened to Prince and. Uh, Purple Rain was actually the first album that I can remember really listening to, like, in full. And I was, like, 10 years old at the time, maybe. But I just loved that. I loved it. I loved the album. And it's kind of funny because I had not listened to Purple Rain in a while. Because, you know, I just listen to whatever the, the new hip-hop or EDM is that, that comes out. But, obviously, when Prince, Prince passes away, it gets you nostalgic and you start going back and listening to the songs uh, listen, listening to his his music, and and it's so funny how you you don't even realize uh, what you know and and what words you know and what songs you know. And I started playing uh, some of the Prince's greatest hits stuff, and I swear I was so surprised at, uh, about the word that I knew all the words. It was crazy. It's like the stuff you have embedded in your brain that you have no idea is there. Um, but yeah, that that was a sad one. Definitely, rest in peace, Prince, who was uh, an icon. There'll never be another like him. And uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, as far as the soccer side goes, uh, it's uh, it's it's a good it should be a good week uh, week ahead. There'll be some midweek action next week. Uh, and we get, we're, we're only I think we're only a month away now from from the we actually we are only a month away now from the U.S. national team getting ready for Copa America. So Copa America is right around the corner. And I don't know uh, how people are getting prepared for it. I don't know if you, what kind of plans folks are making, if they're going to travel, if they're going to go to these games. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, it, it's, uh, it's it should be a, it should be a fun tournament. I know the whole Neymar announcement uh, puts a damper on things, and, and I, some, I know some folks are going to worry. Oh, is this a mean that a lot of the stars are going to start to pull out? I, I think that was a unique situation. I think he's just oh, it's that kind of player who. Who obviously made a commitment to play in the Olympics, and you can understand, you can understand that. Uh, I think he's got some unfinished business. Um, if we all remember that Brazil team of the last Olympics uh, was expected to win, and Mexico beat them, and it, I'm sure that that left a bad taste in his mouth. And the Olympics in general have always been kind of that thorn in the side for Brazil. So you can't begrudge him, and I, I, I get, and you can, you understand why Barcelona. They want to protect their investment. They don't want him to get worn out uh, ahead of next season, so they want to make sure that he gets the break that he needs. Um, hopefully, he's the only really big name star that that ends up sitting out. And as it stands right now, it seems like that's the case. So uh, we'll see if that holds true. Um, but yeah, no, it's a uh, summer is almost here. Believe it or not, it's almost time to. It's get, getting about that time to get the pool ready to get the barbecue going. Uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be cleaning up the backyard this weekend. Uh, getting it might have to fire up the grill for the first barbecue of the of the new year this weekend because uh, yeah it's gonna be nice the weather's gonna be uh, pretty nice here in New Jersey uh, I'll be 
I'll be at the Red Bulls game on Sunday. I uh, unfortunately I will not be at the Union game. Uh, I have another commitment, so I, I won't be able to make that one. Um, and I'm sure, and that's the thing. If the Union do lose that match, then I'll, I'm sure I'll take the blame since they ne- they don't they they seem they find a way to win when I go see them play. Uh, so if they lose, then you can put it on me on this one. Um, but yeah, no, some good stuff this weekend. Uh, it's, uh, we'll, I will try to get back to the two shows a week format. As I said, last episode, you know, I took last week, I tried to take this week off in general. Uh, I didn't, I I took some time off from, from gold.com. I wasn't tweeting. Uh, I've been tweeting less, man. I I don't want to say I'm over Twitter, but it's definitely not what it was in terms of just kind of the engagement and being involved with it. Uh, I want to get back into it, uh, but it's kind of like you got to pick your – once you've kind of unplugged from it in a way, you kind of – to get back to, to to the normal rotation, the normal routine of, of the whole Twitter thing. I don't know if I'll, I don't, I don't think I'll ever tweet like I used to. I know there's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people who still are so into tweeting every single solitary thing, and it's just like too much, like – you don't need to tweet every press release you get. You don't need to tweet every random single item that, oh, Joe Schmo has a strained groin. And it's just settle down, people. Everyone wants to be everything for everybody. And that's not, that. honestly, that's not really what Twitter should really be about. Because at the end of the day, we all follow a lot of people. We all get our information from a lot of different places. So I don't think anyone should try to be the entire Twitter in their one timeline it's, or in their soccer, you know, all of American soccer news in one timeline. It's like settle down, people. Pick your spots. Pick your niche. And uh, and then you'll be a pretty good follow because I, I could tell you right now, there are definitely some people out there who need to take it down a notch or five on Twitter with the amount of updates and whatnot. But, hey, to each his own. I used to be like that back in the day. Uh, definitely not as much now now it's all about facebook facebook's the the new way to go and i'm definitely trying to uh, cultivate that page and 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 i do like the interaction on on facebook which is you know i have my weekly q a there on tuesdays and if you haven't checked it out yet make sure you do uh you can go visit my page just type my name in into facebook and you can find my page make sure it's the one with me with the jacket and not one with me with a hoodie that's my personal page don't go there go to my uh Go to my writer page, and uh, and I'll, I'll try to have updates there pretty regularly, or at least that's the plan. I'm planning to hit the ground running next week. I've had this uh, week, quote-unquote, off, but I'm hoping I recharge the batteries enough to really get things going and, and, and go full bore heading towards Copa America because it's going to be a great summer. Uh, there's so much going on, so I'm looking forward to that, uh, but I will be back next week. I will have my man Paul Tenorio back. For our next episode, uh, I will be shooting for a Monday recording. Um, you know, for those of you who haven't keeping track, he's doing his thing in Chicago, doing that TV stuff in Chicago, and also back he's back to writing now. Uh, he's writing for 442, so uh, congrats to, uh, to Paul uh, on all that stuff. And we'll, we'll get him back on. I'll see about Garrett cleverly because, uh, you know, Garrett's like a professional gardener now. So he's too busy, uh, you know, growing vegetables and stuff. So uh, I don't know if I can ever get him to to, <laughs> to get on the show. Uh, but hopefully we get him on so we can just talk about life in general. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the show, who used to listen to it back when he, when he was my co-host, uh, probably wonder how he's doing and would like to hear from him. I would definitely like to hear from him too. But again, it's all about coordinating. It's all about getting the time and, uh, you know, finding the right time for us to make it work. And hopefully that can happen very, very soon. I think that's it. I think I've covered it all. And I don't know if it's an hour, if it's more than an hour. My apologies. But that's all for now. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with a new show. That's all for now. I'm Ivis Galarsa. This is 
BSBI Show.